Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So we've been doing this series based on the book, Five Practices of a Fruitful Congregation by Robert Schnace. Now the first week we talked about radical hospitality, right? Loving people with simply what you got. That word radical didn't mean that it has to be some big grand gesture, but it's just whatever is in your ability to give, to love on people, whether that's providing a need or or sometimes it's just sitting with somebody, just being an ear to listen, right? Um, Because we talked about with radical hospitality that people feel a need for community. And we need to remember not to get too inward focused in the church, that we forget to look outside the church for those that God wants us to be blessing. And, you know, we all feel that need for community. Maybe you saw on Facebook, I posted a book that I'm reading by Jenny Allen, uh, Find Your People. Mm, let me tell y'all, this is a good book. We will do a study on this eventually, I'm just telling you. Um, I got sort of an early copy of it when I pre-ordered, and... Mm, It is so on point, but it's not exactly what you think it is. So um, look for that somewhere later in the year. The second thing we did two weeks ago, we talked about passionate worship, right? And remember, worship is not just the songs that we sing. Passionate worship is about loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind. In other words, it's everything we do in life is passionate worship. And then last week was intentional faith development, Um, being intentional and devoted to growing in the word and, and your walk with God, being intentional to move past being a young Christian and learning the word, whether that's through joining Miss Diane at 10 o'clock for her Sunday school, if, if that's the curriculum you feel like you want to learn from, um, whether that's Tuesday nights when we um, gather to watch The Chosen or do other book studies and Bible studies. Man, if you missed our book studies, you really missed it. And I'm sorry, but I called out my men last week. We need you men in these studies as well to, to get your perspective and, and your ways of doing things. So this week, we're talking about risk-taking mission and service. Now, for a long time, I think if I just simply said, I'm going to talk about missions and service today, we would think about what? Our mission, global mission right? NMI. Now don't, don't hear me wrong this morning because I love global missions. It is one of my passions that I have in the church. And, and I'm on the district council, the NMI, I'm the vice president and the alabaster representative for our district council. I used to teach all the education lessons. Oh man, we need those back again. That was fun. Like we did some mean things to y'all on Sunday night with those things, didn't we? I've got pictures of Neil with band-aids all over his face, and I don't know, that that was fun. But I learned from the teacher that made it fun, and that was Susan. Susan always made missions fun. So I didn't know that missions was not supposed to be fun, by the way. Like, I've talked to other churches, and they're like, we don't do things like that. And I'm like... I didn't know there was another way to do it, right? So I, I was in my president, and, and I love global missions. 
And this February, by the way, is alabaster. We talked about this last week. There's boxes out in the foyer if you need an alabaster box. We'll take that up at the end of the month. But that's not what we're talking about today. Remember, we're talking about our desire to be a fruitful congregation. We want this church to be fruitful, right? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Who brought a Bible this morning? Raise your hand. Awesome. Verse 40. And this is, this is red letters. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking about the final judgment. We, we touched on this a little bit um, when we started this with radical hospitality, right? Verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about loving on people, right? And he actually goes through there and talks about um, the different ways of doing that. And, and it's ways that, remember, radical hospitality means stepping, stepping out a little bit and just seeing people that maybe others don't see. So we looked at this passage a few weeks ago with the radical hospitality. Now, radical hospitality, passionate worship, and intentional faith development all lead to what we're talking about today. Risk-taking mission and service. Because each practice builds on the others. Now, I don't really look at this as a complete formula of do this, do this, do this, and then that. I think sometimes it can happen at different orders than that. Um, because sometimes a new believer, man, they will jump straight into intentional faith development because they get a hunger for the word right off the bat. Sometimes as a new believer, we start out with, um, you know, it, it seems easy. It seems so simple. Like, why are we having to teach it? But loving God and loving people, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Radical hospitality, passionate worship. And then last week, though, we talked about that intentional being devoted. So as we grow with the Lord, we began to see, because here's why intentional development is so important. As we study God's word, we began to see our own habits and our values in a new way. Because we're looking into the reflection of the word and going, eh. Maybe I'm not so good at that part. Maybe I've kind of gotten that part wrong. And remember Romans 12, do not conform to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't renew unless you put something new in, right? And so that's what we were talking about last week. And that's when the Lord, when we begin to dive into that word, that's when the Lord begins to what? Stretch us. Maybe shift us out of our comfort zones. Yes, Miss Diane, it's, the, it's that message coming, comfort zones. We've always had this little, little joke between us about the comfort zones we, we like to get into, right? So the book that this comes from, it gave this example of a husband and wife couple that came to the Lord. They got into church. They began to, to get into Bible studies um, and began to grow in their walk. And as they began to feel sort of the same nagging question at the same time, so they would go out into their community and they would see a couple of homeless people walking down the street every day. But then it dawned on them of, well, where do they go at night? Like, where 
where would they sleep? Like, I don't see them at nighttime on the streets. And so they began to ask people in the community of, you know, where would the homeless people begin to stay at night? And, and some of the people said, oh, we don't have homeless people in this community. And they were like, well, that's funny because we see them every day walking through. Well, they kept digging because it just kept nagging at them. And so they finally found someone that let them know that actually they kind of get bust out. Like people will actually pick them up and take them. And, and outside the city is a camp that they stay in. And so they went to visit this, this camp. And they honestly just got out and began to have conversations. And they began to ask the people in the camp, what is it that you need? What is, what is the physical needs that you have? And they began to talk about socks and blankets and things that we just don't think about. And so they left and, and, and the next time they come back, they had a lot of this stuff gathered up and began to hand out. And so they just began to make connection with these people and make friendships, radical hospitality. And they just began to connect. But then it began to dawn on them that they asked, well, would you like to like pray together and and maybe worship together with us if we made that happen? And some of them said, yeah, that would be good. So they got a few people from their church involved in it then. And they went and they showed up on a Saturday afternoon and, and they had a church service with them. Just prayed with them. Somebody delivered a simple devotion with them, and and they gathered around. Well, this began to grow, and to the point that once a month, several people in the church, would they would gather up the sound systems and anything they needed, and they went and they had church under this bridge with the homeless camp community. But it wasn't just because, see, here's the problem. Sometimes we think about what can I do for you. It became what they were doing with them. Because the people in the camp, they began to own it as their church. Like they began to invite others come to our church. They showed up early to help set up chairs, help set up the equipment, and and they began to participate in it because this was their church. So in this week's message, that's what we're talking about, risk-taking service and mission is it's including any projects that positively influence others with the purpose of introducing them to Christ. And sure, we can just go give them the gospel, but sometimes it's about just living life with people. And that's the first view of Christ they will see in us long before we give them the word. And that's important and, and it's also this risk-taking idea is also with the thought that loving on people, even though they may never step foot inside this church. Now, as a pastor, this is something that kind of gets ingrained for us pastors sometimes. How's your numbers doing? Are you growing? How do we keep track of that? You know, it's that time of year and in a couple months I'm going to be filling out reports and going through the paperwork I have to go through, right? And that's okay. I, I like numbers, by the way, and I like keeping up because it also holds us accountable of am I seeing growth? But for me, growth doesn't always equal what's sitting in the chairs before me. It's how are we loving people outside these walls? even if they never step foot 
Even if I love on somebody and they wind up at the remodeled church, praise God, they found a church they can sink into. And that's okay. That is okay. Now, how did this happen with these two people? Because two people became devoted to the teachings of God's word. Remember, we talked about all the believers being devoted to the apostles' teachings last week. And they, they listened to the questions God began to ask. That's the other part of, of diving into God's word. You begin to know God's voice when he begins to knock. Now, if we want to be a fruitful congregation, our focus of our energy, our resources of this church should be on the, the community needs around us. I feel like we have always been a blessed church financially. So it's always important to me that we use those resources to help our community. That's why when the, the pandemic hit, we started helping the senior center. We're still doing that because we didn't put a time limit on it. The only thing we ever said, Sandy, let us know. If it becomes a burden to the church, we'll re-examine that giving. But as long as we can give and, and we don't notice it, we're going to keep giving. And that's the time limit we put on it. So if we want the, the congregation here in this church to be fruitful, our focus, our energies, when we, when we focus on, only on ourselves, I promise you the church begins to wither. Because that's not what we're intended to be. We're, we're called to serve. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. So as, as Paul was talking to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, he said, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And everybody in the room said, well... That's not me. That's Diane. That's BJ. That's Bo back there. He does the teens. And, and Thomas, he does something. Mandy, you, you're a teacher over the women. You know, everybody else said, whew, this ain't about me. But wait, wait, wait. Let's listen to verse 12. I love verse 12. Because it says, their responsibility is to what? Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Oh man, there's that little, that little catch in there that it's about all of us. So maybe you're not called to be the pastor or to, to teach a class, you think. Because I just, I don't, I don't think I can do. Okay, but it's our job now to equip you with God's word for you to serve. For you to serve. See, the whole body, because it said, equip God's people to do what? His work. We are the hands and feet. Diane has always used the phrase, all hands on deck. We can't do it. You know, if, if you see gaps, and I know we're, we're coming, we're not coming out of a pandemic. We're learning to live with a pandemic. Let's go with that. And we see some gaps. Some of it is because I need help. I can't do it all. Diane, can you, can, can you teach some more classes? No, we, we can't do everything, can we? Um, and so we need people to serve. But see, you won't hear that voice unless you're being intentional so that you feel the nudge of the Spirit. Risk-taking. 
You see, we, we become a believer. We do that radical hospitality, passionate worship. We, we love God. We love people. We, we become devoted, intentional, and, and trying to learn whether that's joining a class here, whether that's, man, I'm listening to podcasts. Somewhere you've got to be pulling word into you more than just today. And why do we do it? To equip you for the risk-taking mission and service. Now think for a moment. When have you yourself ever witnessed someone offering unexpected love to others? I mean, I mean, really think. What are some ministries or some moments that you've seen people like really step out of their comfort zone and love on people? And what that looks like. You know, Jesus, this is not something that the author of this book created or just church in general created. But Jesus demonstrated the way he wanted his disciples to follow him. Did he not? At that last supper, what did he do? He washed the feet of his disciples. A very shocking move that he would step into the shoes of being the servant, the lowest in the household that day for his disciples. Why? Because he was showing us the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. The early church was told in James chapter 1, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Remember, Jesus said it's not enough to, to love the people that we like, right? Like you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, I already do this, BJ. Like I, 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 I really love on people. You love on people that you like. And Jesus says that's not enough because even the pagans do that. It's those nudges when God asks us to do something that makes us uncomfortable because I don't know if I really like that person. Like, especially if it's somebody that has hurt us, by the way. And sometimes God will say, go love on that person. Why? Because he also tells us don't repay evil with evil. Right? But bless those that curse us. Risk taking. So now I challenge you. When was the last time you questioned and said, God, what can I do for you, Lord? That is the most dangerous question you will ever ask in your life. So when you ask it, be fully devoted to saying, okay, send me, Lord. Because sometimes he'll send you all right. <laughs> and you'll be like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not smart enough for this. Mm-mm. You see, we got the Holy Spirit living in us, people. We got the Holy Spirit living in us. And, and so when, when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, <laughs> It's because he's saying, I know I'm not always qualified, but I have God living inside of me and I can do whatever he calls me to do. That's what that means. So when was the last time you saw a need and you asked, what can I do about that need? What can I do, Lord? Like sometimes it's, I see a need and I think I really don't have what they need to fix it. I'm a fixer. Any, do I have any fixers in this room that you all the time, like whether it's your children or whether it's things at work, you just want to fix it, right? And sometimes we can't fix it. So sometimes we give up. We walk away. But 
First, you need to ask God, what can I do to love on somebody for you? What can I do? The idea of mission and service is not new to us, right, as believers. We know that. Again, it's not new words, mission and service. It's this adjective we've put on there, risk-taking, that makes this so new to so many. Risk-taking steps into a greater uncertainty. Like, I don't know about this, Lord. Like, I don't know if this will work. You notice I use the word experiment a lot. We're going to experiment with this worship. We're going to experiment with movie and lights. We're going to, why? Because I'm risk taking. Like I'm just going to step out and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. And that's okay because it's better than doing nothing, right? Risk taking steps into that greater uncertainty. It steps into that higher possibility of discomfort for you. It steps into that resistance and it steps into having to sacrifice sometimes. Whether that's time or resources. But look again at Matthew. What Jesus said, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters... You were doing it to me. Because every person is a creation of God. Every person God breathed on. Every person God is trying to call back to himself. So when we love on people, whether we like them, don't like them, see, that's where we don't judge. We just love Because when we do it to the least of these, it's the same thing as loving on Christ himself. Because every person is a creation of God. So when you did this, when you took this risk-taking service to the least of these, you were doing it to Jesus. The creator, well, not creator, but founder of our our church, Phineas Brise, His story, he was a Methodist minister, if you didn't know that. And when he was in Pasadena, now you got to understand, Phineas was a great pastor and preacher. Like, if you read his history, it, it seemed like every church he stepped into, there was growth. And out in California, when he reached California and he was in Pasadena, there was great growth. I mean, like, we're talking the late 1800s and we're talking building projects of creating bigger sanctuaries that would hold up to a thousand people. And that would have been huge back in the late 1800s, by the way. So he, he was known for this, but one of the memories that stuck out to him. So one day he went down onto the corner, one, one of the corners in town, and he just began to preach. John Wesley style, let's just go out and preach. And there was a group of about 40 men around that came to know the Lord that day because of that. Now these were men that probably would never step inside his sanctuary, by the way. Because this was during a time in California history where the boom was happening and people were coming into California. That's why it was a group of 40 men, because most likely their families were not with them yet. They had just went where the work was. And these men who were just blue-collar workers, not dressed up, dirty, he took them back into to one of their sanctuaries. He prayed with them. But that moment always stuck with him. 
Because for him, the norm of his congregation would have been upper crust people in the area. Like he always had people that were the money makers of the area. That's why there was all these great building projects. And, and, and let's not, I don't want to underestimate, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, you got to do the real work out here. And everybody needs Jesus. I don't care what your bank account says, by the way. So he was still doing good work, but he was always a little bothered by remembering that day. Because he thought there's people that were not seeing out here. So as you read through Phineas's story, you'll see where he finally leaves the Methodist church. And it wasn't because of a great big squabble. He really just felt the call of God in his life to minister to the homeless, to minister to the addicts that were in the area, to, to minister those that people were not seeing. And through that risk-taking service, the Church of the Nazarene was born. Because Phineas had this vision of a church body where both sides could come together and worship together. Where the rich and the poor could serve side by side as the body of believers. Because he believed that's who we were called to be. What's the opposite of risk-taking? Safe, predictable, comfortable, convenient, even fearful, actually. There is less certainty about the world we live in today and how to serve in it than I think there ever has been in my 25-plus years of ministry. Like, when Thomas and I first got into teen ministry, I mean, like, it, it just, not that it was easy, but you just knew what to do, and people understood, and kids understood, and kids still, you know, grandparents still went to church, and maybe some of their parents grew up in the church, and we're living in a totally new generation where families no longer go to church. Like, church is not a priority. It's an option. You know, um, there was a question from one of the, uh, my fellow pastors of, you know, why don't people go to church? And, oh, man, the, the answers went everywhere from, you know, church trauma, church hurt. They don't trust the church. And I simply said, I'm not going to overthink it. I said, it's simply a choice. We live in a, a generation of so many choices that it really is a choice every Sunday whether you want to go to church. And sometimes it's just not a choice anymore, right? Um, I had a pastor say this week also, he said, you know, he's truly trying to listen. So we're doing a webinar on servant, list, or servant leadership. And he said, man, as the pastor, he said, I really am trying to listen. He said, I've got some younger people on my staff and we've sat down and we've talked. And he said, but I'll be honest with you. And he's only maybe 10 or 15 years older than I am. He said, I'll be honest with you. They're, they're trying really hard to, to tell me their feelings and, and their vision of things. But he said, I have no idea what they're saying. He said, I'll just be honest. It, it might as well be Greek to me that I just, I don't understand where they're coming from. And that's not an uncommon thing these days. How many of you feel like sometimes the, the, the young generation, you're like, I have no, I, 
idea. And I know sometimes here in a small community, maybe we feel a, a little sheltered from that, but we're not. Don't, don't think. Don't think that these things are not true for, for this community as well. That we need to always be listening and being able to. So what does that mean? Risk taking looks like today. Risk taking means releasing control for one thing. Control to let God move us in a direction that needs to be moved. Don't worry, I know that sounded like some announcement was following. No, I have nothing that... <laughs> but that's the honest truth. That Risk-taking means that, God, this is what I'm used to. How do you want to use me? Because, man, he may pick you up and he may say, I need you to come sing in this choir next week for me. Oh, Lord, no, I... I can't do that. Why? Now, I'll tell you, pastor can't do that. Like, I know y'all are thinking, pastor, why don't you just lead us? Because mm. I want y'all in a spirit of worship, not of cringing by the time I step up here. I wasn't blessed with any kind of singing voice whatsoever. Like, the closest I've come to being able to sing, I was deathly sick and, and like, had that croaky voice. And one day I just kind of hollered, and Thomas said, that's the best note I've ever heard come out of your mouth. Like, you held pitch right there. <laughs> I was sick, people. <laughs> so I'll get bronchitis, and then I'll, I'll lead singing one Sunday, and we'll see how that goes. But now some of you, you can do that. You can sing. Risk-taking, though. Stepping out of our comfort zone. So we release control. This is something I saw in our devotion. Are y'all loving the devotion? I'm loving the devotion. I'm going to say that every week now. I love this writing, the scripture every day. I love, love, love it. Like I, I barely ever miss it. There has been a couple of times, especially if I look and it's like that four verses. What are y'all? I ain't got time for four verses this morning. You know, there's been a couple of those times, but I come back and I get it that night, right? Um... But there was one this week that caught my attention. We did Ecclesiastes 7, 9. And if you looked past that, because that's what I do, I tend to kind of read around it sometimes to make sure I'm catching the understanding of it. This is what Ecclesiastes seven ten said. Remember, risk-taking mission service requires us to release control. Seven ten said, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Oh, man, hadn't we all looked back, especially in the last two years? Man, I miss the old days. I miss how we used to do things. And the Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. Why? Because we get stuck then, right? And let's be honest. Whatever the circumstances around what brought you to know who Jesus Christ was... That same setup may not mean a thing to anybody today. That's our moment. That's why some of you today, when the praise team came up, man, those songs spoke to you. Why? That was your moment. My, my older congregation, I know, y'all probably sang with your parents these songs, and that was what you listened to. Then we played these videos, and I still heard the rise in voices. Why? Because that's what you're listening to as you drive around in your vehicle today. That's what brings you to tears 
as you are praising God driving down the road. Or people think you're an idiot because I'm, my hands are all over the place in my car when, when I get in that praise mode, right? So don't, don't get stuck in asking, man, why were, the, why were the old days better? Because when we get stuck like that, then we, we lose the sight of seeing God in new ways through other people. Because what we talked about in my webinar this week was about listening. And yes, I, I listen to some of the things that young people say today, and I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, give them 10 years. They'll mature. They'll figure it out, you know? And that is partly true. But the moment I think that, I quit listening, don't I? The moment I want to tell them how to fix it, I quit listening. Not just to them, but to God. Because I need to be open. I need to release that control so that God can use me. Now for some of you, you've seen a need. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Like maybe you've had a moment go through your mind as I'm preaching this morning. You've seen a need. You're like, man, I wish we could do something with that. But there's the problem. You're waiting for me. I need to tell pastor about this. Or you're waiting for someone else to start it. Hmm. Now, our church has resources always come to me and say, hey, Pastor, this is, this is what I'm thinking about doing. In fact, that's how our local compassion ministry has come to be born in these last couple of years because, I, you know, I've told you this before, Kathy came to me and said, hey, I got this idea, I want to feed teachers, and, I, and man, it overwhelmed me because, you know, in the beginning of this pandemic, pastor was, I was full, like, and I, I just looked at her with the most scared face I probably have ever had, and I said, wow, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Kathy. And I was like, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I can't put a single thing on my plate right now. And she just simply said, no, I got this. I just want to know if this is okay. Yeah. Oh, can more of you do that for me? Can you do that? Just, just you see a need. And you're more connected to it than I am anyway. But then, see, from that just little moment, she did that. But then we created the local compassion ministry to where Amy Jo kind of oversees it under our missions headings. But when we see needs, she just simply texts, hey, can I do this with the funds we have? Yes, you can. Boom. We don't run it through a bunch of committee work. We, we've, we've already set that up. It does have some boundaries of, of some things of these are the things we don't do with this money and that kind of deal. But we, we just are loving. And so when somebody comes to Amy and Joe and says, hey, here's a need, Amy Joe says, hey, pastor, can we do this? Yep, we can do that. Take care of that need. When you see a need, and I heard this many, many years ago, if you see the need, you might be part of the solution. Mm. Everybody's like, I'm not looking at nothing this week. Like, uh, <laughs> Again, risk-taking. Risk-taking mission and service. And let me tell you another saying, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you.
And if Thomas and I had not clung on to that, we would not live in Wicks, Arkansas. Because when we began to envision moving here, we did the most sensible thing. You guys, you know, we sat down, we made our budget. We said, this is, you know, this is what he's making now. This is what he would have to, at the lowest amount, make for us to move to Wicks. And we got way lower than that for that job offer to work in the shop across the street. But we knew God wanted us to. And we couldn't fight that. And that saying, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. So when that voice from God begins to nudge your heart to do service, to do a mission for somebody or some organization around in this community, and you're like, wow, that is so over my head, like I don't even know. And I don't know where the finances would come from. I don't know. But if you know that you know that God is asking, then I promise his grace will carry you through. And he'll make a way. And he'll bring people alongside of you. See, that's one of those things we fear is, God, I can't do this by myself. You may not know yet who he is lining up to work with you to make it happen. To be a fruitful congregation. To make Christ-like disciples in all the nation. To love God and love people like Jesus did. We have to step out of our norms. We have to... We have to step out of the way we feel about things, out of what we feel qualified and comfortable in doing to just simply obey what the Lord is asking us. This is your individual message, church. I'm not talking just as a conglomerate, as the body. This is your individual because... Teachers, you see things that nobody else sees in the school. You see needs whether it's the children or the families. You see things that others don't see. Men of the church, you, you go into places and cafes and think, you see people I don't see every day. And yeah, sometimes you need to come and say, Pastor, I, I just need your help and can we, can we do this? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Pastor, can, can, can we, is there funds in the church? Can we figure out how to make this happen? I'll, I'll head it up. You don't have to stress over this. Just, I, I just need some help. Yep, let's do that. Fruitful congregations. In other words, we just want to grow the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this church specifically. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive of like, Pastor, shouldn't you be worried about it? I guarantee you, if you are out there with radical hospitality, if you are passionately worshiping God, if you are intentionally devoting yourself to the, the growing of your faith in the word, and if you are out there risk-taking in the name of Jesus, we'll grow here. That just happens. Why? Because people will see the face of Jesus. And they'll know you're connected. And then they... I need a church home. I think I'll go see them. It just happens. And we don't have to just simply say, oh, come and see us, right? 
I, I honestly and truly believe if we're out there loving, it will happen in here as well. It's just how it works. But now my question is, who's brave enough to answer that call today? Hmm. Who's brave enough to be able to take a risk and do something you've never done before? Stand with me this morning. Altars are always open. Maybe, maybe you've had a question circling that you're realizing now, man, maybe that really is the voice of God asking me to do this. Maybe, maybe you need to talk with him this morning to figure that out. Maybe you haven't heard God calling you to do something, but you're, you're just, you feel the hunger of, God, I want to be in service for you. Altars are open. And again, after church, we're, we're going to go and we're just going to love on people. We're going to pray. So if you want to stick around and go with us to do that, you can ride the van or you can drive to the houses either way. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you. And God, I know this is always the scariest message. I know this is the one that I get the blank looks because I know that people fear, man, if I make eye contact, God's going to zap me somehow and I have to do something. <laughs> Risk-taking sounds scary, but God, it just simply means that, okay, I'm going to do something I've never done before, but I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. Oh, we sang that song, I believe in the name of Jesus. Then we should know that I believe that Jesus calls us to go out into the world and make Christ-like disciples. And that looks different. Sometimes that's just loving on a family. Maybe they're raising foster kids and they just need a little help and you see that maybe that's uh, at school lord we we see families that are in need and mm, they're never going to ask so maybe we just step out and we love them maybe that's uh, seeing a need of 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 creating a, a bible study that i'm going to ask people that don't even come to church to be there because I think they're hungry for it, but I know they won't come with us on Tuesday nights. God, I just pray for your people. May your Holy Spirit speak right now to everyone here and in the house churches about stepping out and loving people, taking a risk for Jesus. And Father, may our hearts just crave that. May our hearts crave your word in a way that it begins to change us. Some, some here, Lord, uh, they're new to the word. They, they've not grown yet. But may their hearts begin to crave your word, Father, in a way they've never known before. Father, our young people sitting in here, this is a message just as much for them. They can love on friends at school and they can love on ones they come in contact with. And Father, we even read the scripture that there's some of us that we are called to be pastors. We are called to be teachers and we are called to be prophets in the church. And God, I believe somebody here today, that's a message for you as well. Because God, you are still calling people into those positions. God, may our young people always hear when they're in here. I don't care how young they are. I know you can call their hearts for those to be pastors and leaders and teachers of our churches to be missionaries, both here and abroad, Lord. And Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will hold this message 
close to our minds this week as we passionately worship you. And may we be changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, I love you greatly. Let's go and be a blessing to others. And if you plan to go with us, please stick around and let us know that. Have a blessed day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.